Well, I think as we look at this passage, there's a lot of words fly through there quickly and, and comparisons that jumps from one to another. Uh, but I, I think there is a theme that we'll see unfold as we move through it. And uh, th- that theme is relax in the embrace of Jesus Christ. Uh, now, at, at first you might ask, now how did he get to that? Uh, relax in the embrace of Jesus Christ. Well, I think what Paul is teaching us here uh, is that uh, we need another glory, different from what we have, different from what we're pursuing. Uh, you could say, and that comes from knowing what are the implications of the bodily resurrection. Let's just think about our human condition coming into a new year. It's a time when um, many people are encouraged to ask, uh, what things should I change in my life? Uh, what things should I resolve to do? Should I exercise more? Should I, I stop eating donuts every day? Uh, all kinds of things. Like I should be running more. Um, so it, it's a time like that. Um, and one of the concerns that we have in this life uh, we are taught this from the time we are very small, uh, is uh, what kind of fame are we going to make? What kind of job are we going to have? Is it going to be training that gives us recognition or reputation? Uh, what kind of name are you going to build for yourself? Uh, or what kind of legacy are you going to leave? Uh, children will probably notice, teenagers, adults will often ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, and um, in many ways, that is a search for fame or reputation. Uh, when we, we ask that of children, what do you want to be when you grow up? We're usually just making conversa- conversation. Uh, but it, it comes from this whole concept in um, uh, human culture that we are here to do something valuable, uh, and it's better if that thing gives us fame reputation, uh, money, a legacy. Another way to ask it is, uh, how do you want to be remembered by your family? How do you want your friends to think of you uh, when the Lord calls you home? What kind of impression of who you are would you like to have at church or where you work? Um, well, I want to ask you uh, this question. I've hinted at it already, um, and I'm not going to condemn anyone if they have or haven't done this, but did you make any New Year's resolutions? Or it, New Year's kind of came and went so fast for us, I didn't even think about it until I started uh, working on this message. Um, and that, those resolutions can be helpful. Uh, but there are some common things that happen. Uh, The New York Post last year did a survey of 2,000 Americans um, in in February uh, of uh, 2020. uh, This is 2020, not 21. And uh, they surveyed 2,000 people and found out in February that uh, most of them had abandoned their New New Year's resolutions within a span of 32 days. 
some earlier, uh, some not, uh, you know, a few a little later, but it took about one month for them to give up on those things. Now, where does that uh, put us uh, in Christ? Well, in, in some ways, I would say it doesn't put us, it doesn't make any difference, those resolutions. Uh, though if one of the resolutions was to spend more time with the Lord or be in church more, that's a good thing that will have a tremendous impact on your relationship with Christ. And I think 1 Corinthians 15, uh, here the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us that there are things more important than uh, resolutions, um, more important than building a legacy for yourself. Uh, and the, the bottom line for that is learning to relax in the embrace of Jesus Christ. Well, let's look at these uh, first uh, verses, 35 through 41. Um, you can see them again here. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind of humans. Um, okay, here we, here we go. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised with what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, a glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, and what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, that is a body that's rotting. Uh, it is raised in glory. Uh, it is sown in weakness. Uh, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. But there is a natural body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Now let, let's think about some of the images that he used. Uses. Um, I think you recognize this flower, uh, these seeds. And I guess we cheated a little bit and we put the name up there. I was going to ask you if probably most of you would recognize these seeds. Um, what are they? Sunflower seeds. Right. Now is there a difference in the way that a sunflower seed like in this picture, uh, looks, and the way a full-grown sunflower looks? Yeah, let's go ahead. Uh, there is a dramatic difference. Uh, you, unless you had studied um, botany, biology, or agriculture, uh, it wouldn't be obvious to you uh, without some uh, experience and time of dealing with sunflowers to know that that seed actually ended up in this beautiful yellow flower. Uh, and Paul is saying here uh, what uh, we have in the bodies God has given us now, which are bodies that will decay and die, 
uh, is nothing in comparison to the beauty of what God is going to give us in the resurrection. And we don't see yet what that's going to be like. And I think this, the scripture is telling us uh, here, Paul is telling us in the scripture that uh, there's such a big difference between what's coming for us in the resurrection body that we can only describe, give you hints in pictures. Um, and uh, it's, it, we don't have all the details, uh, so all we get is pictures that we pass back and forth to try to imagine what it will be like. Uh, and we don't have to have that perfect knowledge of it in order to believe that God's going to give it uh, and show us that the best thing for our legacy, for what we're looking to the future, is to relax in the embrace of Jesus. Uh, verse 39 through 44 uh, talk about different aspects of this body. This is some of the comparisons that Paul makes trying to give us a picture. Uh, he says there's th these distinctions between the mortal body and the risen body. Were we able to get the table in there? Tyus, there it is. Uh, the mortal body is sown in corruption. It is sown in reproach. It is sown in weakness. A natural body is sown. The spiritual body, the resurrection body, uh, is raised incorruptible. It's risen in glory. It's risen in power. Uh, resurrected a spiritual body. Now, I don't think there's anyone that can tell you exactly what that will mean. Uh, we will see it when Jesus comes again and when he raises us. But he's trying to give us enough of a picture to show that there will be a difference, that there's something to look forward to, something to look forward to, uh, and something to give praise to God uh, for what he's going to do in our lives. Jesus is the first fruit of resurrected people. What we read about him in the New Testament and his appearances and people seeing him gives us some clues to what the final resurrection body will be like. Uh, no one got the opportunity to uh, take Jesus' re resurrection body and dissect it and see what parts were in there and what inside. How did he get through the doors? Uh, how did he eat? Uh, those are things we just don't know. Uh, but we are told it will be, it's a, a glorious body. And when you think about people being resurrected, uh, there are a few other places in the Bible where people were resurrected. Uh, and I'm going to read through them for you quickly and then ask you, what is the difference between how these people were resurrected and how Jesus was, was resurrected? Uh, Elijah in 1 Kings 17, prayed for the resurrection of the son of the widow of Zarephath. And he came back to life. Uh, Elisha prayed for the son of the Shunammite widow. And he came back to life. Uh, in Luke, the widow of Nain, her son had died. Uh, she came to Jesus and he went with her and prayed for her son, and he resurrected. The daughter of Jairus uh, in Matthew 9. The raising of Lazarus in John 11. You might remember with that one that uh, 
Jesus heard that Lazarus was really sick, and uh, he delayed three days before going. Uh, and some people probably think in their heads, well, you know, what is wrong with him? Didn't he love Lazarus? He could have saved his life. And then Jesus says, this is that you might know the glory of God when he resurrected uh, Lazarus after he had been in the tomb for three days. And then there was that famous young man. Uh, I don't know if you remember his name. Uh, it, it's not a name that we use very often these days. Uh, but uh, his name was Eutychus. And uh, Acts 20 tells us, Eutychus was sitting at the window and sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. Paul was going to leave the, the city where he was in, and he had a long message that he wanted to give them. And it might make you thankful here at City Press that no one has preached till midnight and then continued on. Um, but uh, that had an effect on Eutychus. Um, and become, becoming over, overcome with sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Paul went down and built, bent over him and taking him in his arms said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a while before daybreak uh, and then departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. So he was raised from the dead. Now, what are the differences between those examples uh, of resurrection and how Jesus was resurrected? It's a pretty easy answer. It sounds like a trick question, but it's not. Um, Jesus didn't die again. Every one of those people that we've mentioned uh, who were resurrected in Scripture died again. Uh, and there were those that believed among them will be a part of another resurrection. Uh, but Jesus did not die again. You know, sometimes our, our goals and hopes uh, that we have when we are uh, at, at any stage in life, but especially uh, young and enthusiastic and idealistic, um, looking for a certain kind of glory. Uh, we wouldn't call it that. We'd be a, uh, pretend to be more humble about it. But I remember when um, I went to Uganda in 1985 uh, and was there for 15 years. Uh, I didn't have this goal written down on paper. Uh, we, we had other kinds of things written down on paper of what we wanted to do in a church planting work there and, and uh, a public health ministry. But I had a goal in the back of my head. And uh, uh, it, it, was, it was something like this. Uh, I had studied a lot about uh, church planting and churches overseas. I'd taken missions courses in college and seminary. Uh, my uh, first wife had grown up in East Africa, and her father uh, had been a part of planting about 27 churches. And I thought I understood the problems of the African church, things that needed to be corrected so they would give more glory to God. And uh, my intention was to uh, start churches that didn't have those same problems. Um, and if you would go back, uh, the Lord blessed us, and some churches were planted. Uh, a good number of people came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you went back and visited today and uh, did an assessment of what their problems are, uh, and as, as Americans, we have our own set of problems in churches, just those that were peculiar to them, 
you would find out that all those things that I thought I was going to get rid of because I knew so much, uh, they're right there and right in front of your face. Uh, now, was that work wasted? No. Uh, it was God working in both me and them. Uh, I was so idealistic and proud that I did not understand the human heart very well, uh, nor my own heart. And there was going to be years of work that is still continuing today, showing me those things, uh, and that the only one who's worth relaxing in his embrace is the Lord Jesus. Uh, my embrace will not help you significantly. Uh, it will not get you to glory. But Jesus is the one who calls us to live for his glory. Uh, all other reputation, all other worthy, worthiness, all other accomplishment will pass away. Uh, it can pass away in a car accident, uh, in, with COVID on a ventilator, uh, with people turning against you, and only living in the embrace of Jesus is something that will last. That is the only true relaxation and glory. Thirdly, relax in the embrace of Jesus Christ. Jesus is very different from Adam. And uh, Paul compares that here. Let's go to that other uh, table. Uh, there's in the next few verses, 45 through 49, this is a list that you can tease out about uh, the two Adams. Um, there was a first Adam and a second Adam. And uh, uh, Justin has hinted at that in the book of Romans. Uh, it comes up several times in that book, the difference between the first Adam and the last Adam. Uh, and you, you might be interested to know that in the original language, the word Adam means man or human being. Um, so Paul, as he's talking about the difference between the first Adam and the last Adam uh, says these things. The first Adam became a living being. The second Adam, Jesus, became the life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that came the spiritual, when Jesus himself came to be born. As it is, that earthly man, uh, so are those of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so are those of heaven. Uh, and the, the Apostle Paul there is making a distinction between those who belong just to the earth and have not come to know the Lord Jesus and those that belong to the Lord Jesus. Something heavenly begins to work in them and continues. Uh, the first Adam, just as we have carried the image of the earthly man, and all you've got to do is to uh, feel your skin, touch your hair. Uh, this is the part of the image of uh, an earthly human being. We will also carry the image of the celestial. Uh, and we don't exactly know what that is yet, uh, except that there will be no more sin, no more sickness. The mortal body cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, this body made out of dust uh, that needs surgery from time to time where the joints start to ache 
um, and the hair starts to fall out, uh, it's different than the heavenly body. The mortal body cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Implication is that the celestial body, yes, it can inherit the kingdom of God fully. Now, there are ways in which we begin to inherit the kingdom of God and see it at work uh, in our society, uh, but the way these bodies deteriorate shows that that is something uh, that has not been completed in us yet. When Jesus comes, it will be completed. And then the earthly body, lastly, was uh, corruptible and can only inherit what is corruptible. And uh, the heavenly body cannot be corruptible and it cannot, and it cannot inherit the incorruptible. Excuse me, it inherits the incorruptible. Uh, it is already inherited part of the corruptible, but then it has the uh, incorruptible. Uh, so those of you who read Spanish will see there's one sentence up there that I didn't get translated, but um, it, was, it was late at night. Um, in the Bible, there are various covenants between God and the men sent by him. Each pact had its guidelines. When an individual was uh, between heavenly father and a man, it was God who sent the rules to his servants. When an agreement was between God the heavenly father and a man, it was God who sent the rules to his servants. Uh, you've heard about the covenants. We've taught about them in, here in church. And many, uh, there's many of them in scripture. Uh, but the Lord also appointed a person as the representative of all who were involved in a covenant. And uh, what Paul is saying in this passage is that these two atoms represent two different covenants or agreements with God. The first man, Adam, represented all human beings. This person failed. He decided to believe Satan's word instead of trusting what God said. The last Adam is Jesus Christ, and he represents those who believe in him and his sacrifice. And this is what the New Testament calls the glory of the new covenant. Relax in the embrace of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's, let's go forward. And then as uh, Paul is ending up this passage, uh, in verse 57... He says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does this mean? Uh, what glory are we seeking? Uh, what, what tugs at our heart and tells us, if you, if you have me, you'll be satisfied? What fame are we looking for? Uh, what identification as a person, what do we want other people to think about us, uh, about our reputation, about who we are? Uh, th that's what's being ref referred to in asking what kind of glory are we after. Uh, and it should cause us to come back again. We know that these things disappear. Uh, you can make a mistake at work. And the wonderful salary and the good relationships you've had uh, be gone in a day. Uh, you can 
sin against your family, and they might have had so much of it that they throw you out. But in Jesus, once we are his, he never throws us out. Our identity is his identity. His reputation becomes our reputation in the family of God. Uh, We are after his fame and glory, not our own. I'm going to tell you, this, this is pretty obvious. These bodies are not getting better. For the children here, you might say, well, your bodies are getting better, you're getting bigger, you're getting stronger. Uh, there's a point in time when uh, that process will start to reverse. Uh, and, and for most of us, we've began to see some of those reversals. And, and there's, a, there's a madness in human society that says, uh, we can fix these things, and if, if we just do science correctly, uh, we can make them, we will get to a point where they will last two, three hundred years, and why not forever? Uh, let's go to the next picture, Ryan. Uh, you've probably heard of cryopreservation. Now, uh, you, you can go on the internet and read about this stuff. Uh, it used to be the thing of uh, scientific movies uh, or science-based uh, films, and there's talk of astronauts being put into some kind of suspension uh, if they have to travel 10 years to another universe, and then they'll be woken up. Uh, but also, you can go on the Internet and find companies that will take you, your body as, um, as you die or are near death, uh, take out all the fluids, um, all the blood, uh, all the interstitial tissue fluids, and fill you with a preservative and put you in a freezer that's designed to preserve you as you were at the moment that you died. And then when in uh, three, four, five hundred years, when uh, we are better equipped to deal with death and life, uh, you've paid enough money to them to keep you for that long that then the smart people then will come and wake you up and you'll be okay. Now, if you're a little bit cheap and it sounds too expensive, they have a special deal. And that is, when you die, uh, they will keep you in a warm place so they can pick you up. They take your brain out of your body and they do these same things to your brain and put it in uh, cryonic suspension so that in that, you know, maybe it'll take another hundred years just to do it from a brain. I don't know uh, all those things, but it's just, it's crazy stuff. Um, So, you know, that's some of the madness of the world. Uh, Some of the things about improving human beings that have been talked about in the past, uh, and I I hear they're even trying it out in some cases, are uh, attaching computers and making them part of the human body. Uh, we, we see good outcomes from some of that, from um, uh, limbs for amputees or people injured in battle or uh, from illnesses like uh, diabetes. They say that's the next frontier uh, is when they will take computers and it be replacing part of our brain and make us uh, superhumans. Uh, and there are movies out about that. Uh, we are crazy. Uh, and... Um, I'm not condemning any of you if you've done any of this uh, because all of us have done some of it 
uh, surgery, uh, the gym helps you to improve, special diets take care of your body, Botox, other things like that. We're, we're always trying or thinking about, even if we don't do it, improving. One of the types of glory that we seek is physical beauty or the dream of being an Olympic athlete or being the smartest in your class, being, having been valedictorian or wanting to be, uh, winning a great amount of money in a lottery, uh, being a movie star that makes lots of money, uh, or just having a job that pays a lot. All those kind of things can be the kind of glory and fame that we seek in place of Jesus Christ. Uh, but the Apostle Paul is telling us there's something better than those things coming. It's a resurrection body uh, for those who believe in Jesus. Uh, we can... Um, Jesus died to give us those things, to promise us those, those things. Uh, we can use our gifts in good ways or selfish ways. Uh, we can invest ourselves as being parents or knowing the truths of the Bible. Uh, and those things are good, uh, but it's really rest in Christ that carries us forward. We're going to experience trials, illnesses, sufferings. Uh, just think of these last two years of covid Disappointments and failures in this life. People that we've loved and have encouraged and uh, mentored are going to turn against us. Uh, in the same way as our bodies are wearing down, relationships wear down uh, unless Christ rebuilds them. And the same happens to nations and cultures. Uh, they develop and they crumble. Only God's word is what will last. And Paul tells us here, relax in the embrace of Jesus Christ. He alone, his love for you, is the only thing that will last. Uh, there's only one fame that stands the test of time. And that fame is the way of the cross. Self-denial rather than self-fulfillment. Jesus tells us the way up is down to serve others in their need, humbling yourself. It's the opposite of the way that our world works and that our world pushes us towards. Do we have a different purpose in our lives? Has God the Father freed us from self-promotion so that we think of loving Him and loving others first? Uh, we need to go to Him daily, ask Him to do that, and even begin our days by relaxing in the embrace of Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews says in uh, chapter 12, verse 2, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he is making those perfect in whom he's begun to work now and continues doing it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your care for us. Thank you for your love as we begin this new year. Uh, and uh, the temptation always comes from the human heart of uh, what can we make of it uh, by uh, working hard, by stress and, and energy, uh, by 
doing the best that we can and everything, uh, and those are good things. But we want to take those things now, Lord, and place them in your hands and let us uh, work hard, let us do our best, let us love our best, uh, leaning uh, in the embrace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.